Welcome to the Layer 8 Podcast, Season 2. This season, we'll again hear from the experts. These experts are social engineers and open source intelligence investigators. Sometimes, they'll tell us stories about their experiences, and sometimes, we'll have some questions for them. We hope you enjoy them. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Layer 8 Podcast. We have a fun interview for you today with Crystal, otherwise known as Unlucky Number 7 on Twitter. Welcome today, Crystal. Hi, thank you. Hey, can you tell people a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, so uh, our listeners can get to know you a little bit? Sure. Like you said, uh, my name is Crystal. Uh, I go by Unlucky Number 7 on Twitter. A little background about me. Uh, I've been in the Army for about 18 years now. My former career was military intelligence, and I did that for 12 years. Um, which kind of built my or started my transition over into InfoSec. I changed careers, uh, you know, maybe about four or five years ago, walked away from Intel and decided that I wanted to do, you know, something new, something kind of more, a little more focused on the home front. And with that like protector DNA kind of in my system, um, I wanted to, I wanted to focus on, you know, my community and something, something that was a little closer to home. So InfoSec is where I landed. So during the day, you do some incident response. Is that true? Uh, yes, I am on an incident response team for the state. So we respond to various different incidents that come across our, our feed. So it's definitely never never the same thing each day. And you also get to do some uh, social engineering with that as well. I do, yes. That and in, in previous positions, I do social engineering, um, I did phishing, um, a lot of OSINT work. So, yeah. Now, one of the things that made me want to do this interview episode with you was that you said that you were missing breaking into buildings. <laughs> yes. Um, a couple of times I've successfully been able to reach physical uh, obstacles. But yeah, I'm mostly conning my way in. <laughs> How much do you see as your preparation is involved with the success level in that? How much preparation do you often do to to con your way in to get past the defenses into a building? So I'm an over planner um, and an overthinker. So the amount of preparation that I did, I feel like, you know, at the end of the engagement, I would look back and be like, I probably did a little more work than necessary because a lot of it as many people know on site, it's it's kind of ad hoc. You know, I, I have my my backstory, I have my pretexts, I have the information, but nothing ever goes, you know, the way you think it's going to go. It's it's you know constantly changing and 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 adjusting on the fly. So I I definitely over prepared, but uh, it made me feel more comfortable and more at ease. So I think it was appropriate for me. Yeah, I think over preparing is going to be much better than under preparing. That, that is very true. I would like to say I have an example of underpreparing, but I think my anxiety wouldn't have allowed for that. <laughs> so. so let's say you're given an address that somebody wants you to get into. How are you going to start investigating that sort of thing? So social media is huge for me, and I'm sure everyone else. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook sometimes. Um, Instagram, obviously, the geolocational uh, data that Instagram has is really wonderful. Um, so I do a lot of manual scraping, looking up the address itself, figuring out the company, figuring out the organization, um, seeing if I can find employees or any third-party vendors, contracts that they have. And I just dig and dig and dig until until really the day of. 
And what are some of your favorite pretexts or go-tos that you're going to use to try to actually get into a building? Do you frequently walk through the front door? Do you try to find an unlocked side door? Do you pick locks? Do you talk to people and have them let you in? What are your typical ways that you like to get in? My most successful for a lot of sites is I will find the employee entrance and piggyback off of someone or, or get in via talking to an employee or something like that. Nine times out of 10, it's worked. Thinking now, I can't remember the last time I was challenged trying to get into an employee entrance. Organizations like hospitals, obviously, I would just walk in the front door or the ER door. Actually, that's really been the most um, productive for me. Yeah, I haven't had to pick a lot of locks to get in. Jumping fences is good, too. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely uh, that, that piggybacking through the employee entrance is, is fruitful. So you just stand out by the employee entrance or try to time it when you're walking in at the same time with somebody else? Yep, I try to time it. So I, I will scope out the site end of day, the day before, just kind of sit in my car, watch what happens, and then try to, to connect vehicles with people. So when I see them the next day, obviously it depends on how big the organization is, but when I see the vehicle the next day, know who they are, not who they are, but where they're going to go, which door they're going to go. And most of the time uh, I'm on my phone. Um, so I will, you know, I won't have a coat on. I'll, I'll be carrying like files and a computer or something, something that makes it look like I just had to run out to my car for a moment and then rush back in. Um, and I'm always on my phone. And my go to kind of story is I'm having an argument with my daughter. Now, I don't have any kids, <laughs> um, but I. I'm having an argument with my daughter and, and depending on who I think is in front of me, um, you know, male or female or however they're dressed, um, it's kind of what I, I, I target saying. So most of the time, if it's a woman who I think is a little older than me, you know, it's, it's honey, mommy can't talk right now. I'm going into work. Please behave for grandma. I'll see you later. Just, just kind of, you know, tugging on the like family heartstrings a little bit. And most of the time I get like a, a nod or a smile, like, you know, oh my gosh, I've been through that before and it, and it works. <laughs> and have you ever been challenged while trying to do that kind of thing? Has anybody asked you for a badge? No. Or if, if I realize where their badges are, then I will put on like a blank white HID card. I'm just in a badge holder, depending on where they have it on their body. I mimic that, but then it just looks like my badge has been flipped around. So sometimes I'll look down, but most of the time they don't even bother. If it's in like their peripheral view, they're like, oh, she's good. And then how about once you get inside, how often do you get challenged once you're inside walking around and people aren't recognizing you? It depends on how big the organization is, obviously, um, but it's it's definitely happened. It was a, like a financial, finance, financial institution that I was in and I walked onto one of the floors and it was like the record scratch stopped everyone looked at me and I was like, do, 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 sorry, wrong place. <laughs> just, just like hightailed it out of there. That was a very difficult place. So what sort of overlap have you seen with your experience in military intelligence and the types of things that you need to do, whether it's the OSINT preparation or doing the social engineering, trying to get into buildings? What skills did you learn in the military that are still helping you today? It's definitely the analytical mindset. I'm constantly 
questioning things and asking why, which also got me in trouble when I was a kid. Um, you know, my, my mother would go in for parent teacher conferences and they would be like, you know, we can't keep her attention or when we have it, she's always asking why. And they, they assumed that I was challenging them when really I just wanted to understand of why things were working the way they were. So that really helped me in the military. And then especially, you know, doing the targeting work that I did there. So that that kind of was a, I don't want to say a natural progression, but but the, the mindsets transferred over nicely. So that's definitely a skill that uh, that I'm proud to possess. Now, one of the things that I often like to ask people that come on here is their stories. Do you have an example? Yes. I think I have two I have two examples that are probably my favorites. Um, one of them being a financial institution and the other being a hospital. Neither was I didn't have to to talk to anyone to get in. Um, so for the financial institution, there was a lot of information on the exterior of their building and their entry points and control points online. So I was able to kind of plan this out in my head. But one of the major concerns is all of their exterior doors were badge readers, even in the parking garage. So it was winter. It was it was actively snowing. I had circled the building once. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to get in. Let's just park and then go in the parking garage and see what happens. So I thought maybe I would find like, an, you know, a maintenance door, or any door. No, everything had HID. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I'm in like my big coat, my hat, my gloves, because it's cold, upstate New York. And I just happen to start, I'm spiraling up the parking garage, just kind of looking. And I walk close to the door to see, you know, what I could get. And I think I'm on like the second or third floor. And I just kind of skirt near the door and it opens. And I was like, <gasps> and a woman has kindly opened the door for me and let me in because I look cold. It is cold. So I'm like, my brain is in overdrive. Like, oh my God, is she gonna, is she gonna talk to me? Is she, what's gonna happen? So I have no idea where I'm going. Uh, I'm now inside of a stairwell and there's an elevator door. And I was like, okay, we're gonna go to the elevator. Cause I, it looks like she's gonna go upstairs. She doesn't, she gets in the elevator with me. I'm like, oh God. So I'm looking at the floors. I have no idea again where I'm going. So I, I just kind of wait for her to click a floor. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll just hit one after. So she goes down to the first floor. I'm like, okay, not a big deal. She can get out. I'll go back upstairs, whatever. I'm just, I'm playing on my phone at this point, kind of just, you know, pretending I'm in my own little world, not really paying attention. <laughs> so the, the elevator door is open and now I am staring right at the security desk. Like it's not facing the elevator, but it's, I'm looking into the security desk and there are two security guards standing there. And I just look back down at my phone, like, oh boy, this is gonna be interesting. So she gets out of the elevator. I try to kind of pretend like I'm on the phone. I, I push a button and nothing's happening. The elevator's not moving because you have to have a badge to swipe it. So I, I fake answer my phone. I walk out of the elevator and I pretend that I'm arguing with someone. Um, you know, someone had called me to come down. Um, I have my coat on, so it looks like I'm ready to go outside. And I'm like, oh, well, I just came down, you know, no big deal. We'll get it later, whatever. So I go back in the elevator. They haven't really looked at me much. They definitely are tracking 
you know, that there's someone on the ground floor. And I go back in the elevator and I tuck myself behind so they can't see me. And I just push another button and nothing is happening. I light up the whole elevator, <laughs> nothing is happening. Finally, what felt like an eternity later, the doors start closing and it moves. And I was like, oh, thank God. So someone has called it from another floor. So now I, I don't know what floor we're going to. I again, pick up my phone and I'm trying to pretend that I'm on a phone call. The door opens, you know, I'm on a specific floor now. And this woman looks at me and I look at her and I just walk out, drop, you know, my hat that I've taken off my head and she, which I don't realize at the time, she calls my attention. I panic on the inside, turn around thinking she's going to question me. Nope. She just wants to return my hat to me. So grab it. Thank you so much. And I take off for the bathroom. I have no idea what floor I'm on. Well, I know the number, but I don't know anything about this floor. So I go into the bathroom, breathe, you know, remove my coat and <clears throat> make it look like I've been there for a little while. And as soon as I come out of the bathroom, I find a closet. So I stash my coat there. And then I start looking around and I see the sign that shows like what the floor is. And I'm now in a restricted accessed floor. Great. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know how many people are here. Um, it's probably maybe around lunchtime at this point after, after lunchtime. So I find the break room. All right. Just, just go in there and see what's going on. Um, I start going through the cabinets because, you know, coffee, everyone needs coffee. You have a coffee cup. You, no one's going to ask why you're there. So I find this random coffee cup that has the name of the place on it. I wash it in the sink and I make a cup of coffee. <laughs> a couple people come in and out. I'm just in there. No one's really giving me a second look. So I'm like, okay, you know, not everyone knows everyone on this floor. That's great for me. So I make my coffee and I kind of start walking around seeing what I can find. I find a bunch of those like, filing cabinets, the one that you like open up and like push back, um, like lined up in a hallway, kind of tug on a couple. They're all, they're all locked. Um, but the very simple, um, just stock locks that are on the filing cabinets. I just keep wandering around and I find an empty conference room. Like, okay, if I find something, I can at least come in here and I'm out of the way of view. You know, no one's really coming in and out of this place. So I walk around the corner and there are more of those filing cabinets, but now there are boxes on top. So I have my coffee cup, I reach up, I snag a box, and then I just go to the conference room, open the box, all sorts of financial records, social security numbers, names, account numbers, like just a jackpot. And I'm this is one box out of like 10 that are sitting up there. So I go through, I snap all the pictures for the evidence, terrified that someone is going to catch me, grab the box, take it back, put it up there, grab the next box, go back to the conference room. So now I'm, now I'm feeling pretty confident. Like, you know, I've, I've gotten some stuff already. Let's see how far we can go. So I just start walking around a little more, um, a little more comfortably now, you know, kind of saying hi to people. No one, again, no one's batting an eyelash. I'm like, okay, I look like I belong. In, in the OSINT work that I did, I tried to find pictures of employees so I could at least see how they were dressed. Um, so I did kind of a business casual cross, nothing too fancy, but, you know, I wasn't wearing jeans either. So I, I seemed, you know, like I, I fit in, poked around a little more, 
you know, got a lot more evidence. And it's the end of the engagement. I'm getting ready to leave. Um, and I go back into the break room, make another cup of coffee. And now I'm just standing there waiting for people to start coming in. And this is around the holiday time too. I believe we're in like either end of November or beginning of December. And people are just chatting and and talking about the Christmas party, or the holiday party that's coming up. And there's like a list on the fridge of what everyone's going to bring. And, you know, I start talking to my coworkers uh, about traditions and, you know, what they do for the holidays and where they go. And they have still yet to challenge me at all. Um, I start talking about, you know, my favorite Christmas cookies and I don't really cook that much. Like sometimes I do. If you look at my Twitter, you'll see foods, but that's, uh, that's, that's rare. So they start asking me what I'm going to bring to the party. And I'm like, you know, oh, I didn't, you know, plan on bringing anything. It's fine, whatever. And I had just made up some like pumpkin spice latte cookie that I'm sure is out there, but I don't make them. So I, I signed up on the list. So I feel like they were very disappointed when the holiday party rolled around. And, you know, I think I can't remember what name I even gave to them. I don't even know. But uh, I'm sure they were pretty upset when the pumpkin spice latte cookies didn't show up. But uh, after that, I left the same way I came in through the parking garage. And uh, I didn't. Oh, no. Before I left, I actually went out the front door. I went back down to the first level to see what I could do in the security guard area. And that was pretty locked down. They, uh, they, they clocked me leaving. I stood in the lobby for a while, talked on the phone. And then I walked out the front door because uh, I couldn't get anywhere further. But that was the end of the engagement. So, yeah, it was it was. It was pretty fun, probably one of my favorites, um, and the most like heart racing, like, oh my gosh. So yeah, the the second was a hospital, and I always start hospitals with the lowest level of you know escalation of force, civilian clothes, no badge, no accoutrement whatsoever, and see kind of what I can do. And then I go back the next day, and elevate as the day goes throughout. Like I have scrubs that I put on. I've acquired a, a stethoscope. Um, sometimes I will go and find like shirts that belong to that organization and wear that badge holder. You know, I pull my hair up. I put like, I, I, I kind of play the part as the day goes further. And sometimes it gets a little scary because uh, I almost walked into an operating room. You know, I just kind of aimlessly walk around the hallways trying to make it not look like it's aimlessly, but uh, piggybacked in behind an EMT worker got the the code because he just openly typed it. So I knew what it was for the next time. Um, and then the next time I came back through, used the code, went through and uh, yeah, walked past the nursing station where everyone's kind of running around like crazy, just records everywhere. Could have very easily just kind of grabbed them and ran badges being left places. So it was, it was, kind of crazy, but it was cool. Cause I was, you know, I, I came into the hospital probably around 1 PM and I left at probably 10 PM just going in and out. The security guards started to recognize me and I was sitting down under a wireless access point. Cause I was doing a little bit of wireless testing too. And the security guard was coming up to me, like made eye contact with me. He was walking towards me as I'm like with my laptop under an access point, like, oh man, please don't say anything to me. And uh, nope, just just coming up to hit on me. He was like, oh, you're still here? And then started to flirt. And I was like, oh, 
thank God. <laughs> so that was that was interesting too. I felt a little more um, like James Bond type because they had roving they had roving guards also. So I was like dipping into offices that I was able to get into, you know, poking around and getting everything I could, and then getting out before the roving guard had come back around. So that was definitely a fun one too. What were your goals to try to get? at the hospital? What did you target? Were you trying to just get pictures of records or trying to log on to a, a workstation? Um, that hospital was definitely PHI, um, trying to see if I could gain any unauthorized access into any of their systems, um, definitely their wireless we were playing with too. So I think that one was was kind of a broad, uh, broad spectrum. Different organization, they specifically wanted me, or a financial organization, specifically wanted me to get into their IT closet and that didn't happen. <laughs> Was there something that was protecting it from you getting in? Yes, they were very small credit union type places. You come in the main door and that's it. Like if you're going anywhere else, you, you are noticed. So I I had hit a couple of the locations and then finally it was kind of the end. And I just said, all right, let's go for broke. And I walked in and said that we were having some technical issues and that the CTO sent me specifically to to do some testing or or something i can't remember exactly what i said but basically you know i need access to your network because we're having some issues and the first person was like oh yeah come on this way and then as soon as um the more senior person of the branch kind of saw what was happening she was like wait a minute what's going on and i was challenged and was like you know okay thank you so much like you know just give whoever a call and uh, and let him know. And then I dipped out of there. And then our contact started calling and saying, hey, like, what's going on? We're getting some notifications now. And I was like, yeah, I went for broke. So have you ever had a time when you're actually trying to get challenged and you start thinking like, how do I escalate this further to the point where somebody does challenge me because they should be by now? So I, yes and no. I, I think I just have this like, inside of my like soul that's like don't get caught you can't get caught but also at the same time like you know you want to see how they respond because you're testing their response and that's the most important part so the times that i get a little more bold like at the the hospital that i was talking about i was intentionally looking you know suspicious just kind of i had a huge backpack on i'm in scrubs just walking around, people started to recognize to see me over and over, like, but no one ever, no one ever challenged me. They just assumed that I was, you know, where I was supposed to be. So I, I try, but uh kind of goes against what my my spidey senses say. <laughs> if somebody asked you, how can I become a social engineer? What kind of advice do you like to give to somebody that wants to break into the field from scratch and they haven't done any of this yet? So that's a really difficult question for me because my path wasn't a traditional path. And that being said, I feel like there is really no traditional path into this because it is such a niche kind of area of expertise. I direct them to, you know, the, the, people that I look up to and follow and podcasts and certain classes that I've taken that I thought were really wonderful because a huge part of this is the ability to be able to, you know, research and, and kind of figure out like, okay, will this 
you know, pretext work. What even is a pretext? How do I develop these pretexts? So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with Elith um, because I'll be thinking of something and and just like ba- like banging my head off my desk, like this isn't working. And I'll just reach out to her and say, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, but it's not working. Can you help me? And she's like, oh, have you tried this? And I was like, no, I haven't. I'm, I'm an idiot. Thank you so much. So it's kind of, it's really about, you know, making those connections with people, doing the research, kind of trying to expand the way that your, your mindset is, I guess. So it, that, it's a really tough question. It's, it's very difficult to answer. Do you have any advice for how somebody can practice social engineering techniques without being a social engineer? I really love doing CTFs. I mean, they're, they're very challenging because like I said, I, I do a lot of stuff manually. So in the CTFs, it's like drinking through a fire hose when you're working with a team. I really love doing CTFs. Um, I think they are really wonderful and kind of give you a, a chance to, to test everything that you've been working on. And in certain ones, obviously you're on a team and you're then able to learn from those other team members. And it every single time for me, it's like drinking through a fire hose because my team members have been doing this for years and years and years. And, you know, they just start throwing all these things out there. And I'm like, holy cow, I never even knew this existed. So I would definitely recommend doing CTFs. Um, you know, some of the wonderful people in this field, in this community will host different classes and different workshops. And, you know, they're, they're not that expensive comparatively to some of the other parts of, you know, our field. So I, it's, it's definitely an investment in yourself. And then, you know, you can use a CTFs to kind of help hone in your, your newly learned skills. So um, I highly recommend podcasts to people also, because listening to other people talk about it, there like, there's no set path, there's no set you know, way to do this, but listening to other people and how they do it, it really helps you build your toolbox and be like, okay, I need to learn more about this. And, you know, it's just constant scraping, really constant scraping the internet, to like get all of these tools to make yourself better. Because there are so many different types of people with so many different backgrounds that when we all get together, not that we can, but in the future, when we can all get together in the same room again, it's just like constant experience sharing and growing and mentoring and, and just, you know, everyone making the, the community better and, you know, probably a lot of bourbon involved, <laughs> at least on my end, it, it's really wonderful. So, and, and everyone that I have interacted with and come across have been so kind and so supportive and constantly telling me to stop beating myself up. Um, which is really difficult because I'm not very kind to myself because I compare, I compare myself to, you know, people I look up to and, and mentors because they've been doing it for so long and uh, I have to stop doing that. So, but yeah, it's uh, it really, really sets my soul on fire and uh, makes me very happy. Thank you for listening to the Layer 8 podcast. You can find out more information about us at layer8conference.com and find more podcast episodes on many of your favorite platforms. We hope you enjoy these episodes as much as we enjoyed making them.